This is Let's Talk to Lucy, starring Lucille Ball. A very warm welcome to you all. I'm Gary Morton, and now, let's talk to Lucy. While I was in San Francisco recently, Mr. Hilly Rose of KCBS turned the tables and interviewed me. And because he asked many of the questions that you have asked in your letters, I thought you might enjoy hearing our conversation. And now, Mr. Hilly Rose. Why are you doing a radio show? Here you are on television, you're head of one of the biggest studios in Hollywood. Why in the world do you want to do my kind of business and how come you're knocking me around here? <laughs> you know, I gotta make a living. Well, I don't think it will interfere with anybody's living. I think it will only help. I had a definite feeling that radio was sort of a forgotten area. But I think the main reason was that I was out in the world a lot more and meeting so many interesting people. I kind of wanted to share them. I really, I really mean that. I'm having such a wonderful time and I'm so happy. I just feel like spreading it around. Is there a gentleman who's responsible for this by the name of Gary Morton? Yes, do you know Gary? I don't know him, I know, I've seen his work, of course, and he's on your show every day. He's a wonderful, mature, sensational guy. He's Tell me a, more about him. Well, he's just a wonderful, he's such a guy. I don't know, I don't know how to explain it on radio. I think maybe I could do it with my face, but <laughs> <laughs> he's a doll. He's a, I love, I say mature because I admire maturity in people. Uh, one of the first things I admired in Gary was his maturity and his sense of humor. Gary is not eaten up with ambition. He has taken this business in his stride. He made a very good living, but he never let it weigh him down. Uh, he, he had other interests and definitely had other interests. And I admired that. Plus which he's very handsome. Plus which, you know, he's of show business. So that was another reason I liked him. Would you say that Gary Morton is dominant in your relationship? He's very dominant, and he knew from the start that he should be. Uh, but it was also, I think, he was cognizant of the fact that it was important to me to have not just a domination, but uh, someone who dominated with a gentle, understanding, knowing mind. Let's turn the coin around the other side. What did Lucille Ball bring to Gary Morton? Well, apparently, his first attraction was the family and uh, having a home. Well, my, my question is more, what do you know. feel that you bring to this, that you want to bring to this marriage and this family? Oh, what I want to bring to it is what we are <laughs> accomplishing at the moment. Happy children and a comfortable home and a great deal of togetherness at home. We have two homes, one in Palm Springs, one in Beverly Hills, and we enjoy our homes. We don't just hang our hat and run. We really live in each room, and uh, we appreciate it, and we talk about it, and we think about it, and we put it into words verbally very often, because he's been on the road for 20 years. I haven't. I, I've, I haven't been on the road, but I've been out of the house a great deal. So every moment that we have at home, we appreciate. Well, and I wanted to ask you, Lucy, how old are your children? 11 and 13. 11 and 13. All right, now you know that Bing Crosby and Kathy have just moved up here to Burlingame. Yes. And their avowed reason for doing so is because they wanted to bring up their children out of the atmosphere of Hollywood. What is your reaction to that? And how, in, with homes in Beverly Hills and Palm Springs, where values are a problem, instilling the proper values in children, how do you make your children really realize what the world is all about? 
I haven't done it yet, Hilly. Uh, I'm trying. I had a conversation today, and uh, we were talking about a school in Idlewild that I have been interested in for some time. And I'm very seriously thinking of taking my children up there because they, besides having a definite interest in each child and it not being too overcrowded, they give thought to so many other things. I think it's almost impossible the load that our children have to carry. It's a double load on each shoulder. Children of celebrities. They not only have to be good in school and a good scholar and deport themselves well, but they have a double load of kids eventually, sometime, somehow, inferring that just because you are the son or the daughter of, do you think you can, you know, that type of thing. It comes up every once in a while, no matter how good your children are or how much warning you give them as to how they should answer or how, how careful they should be of their deportment. They're normal kids. We have succeeded in making our children normal uh, by not spoiling them, by not telling them that they have more or less. Are your children in public school or private school? They're in a more or less a public school, a Catholic school in Beverly Hills. And uh, Lucy has been looking forward to going to Marymount for her high school. And little Desi's been looking forward to going to uh, Notre Dame High School. They are normal uh, scholars, you know, not too many A's. They are not A students because they have outside interests, great many outside interests that we can't help. It's terribly important to have outside interests. That's right, but they have maybe a little bit more than, than most kids. What with my work and daddy's work, their own daddy, and uh, their daddy's ranch, and our traveling, and our uh, sports, and our hobbies, and their music. So they're busy kids, but they also have time to themselves. They're just normal kids. That's good. Yeah, I know it's good. I know it's good. I, I worry about them now. You see, they don't say that they don't want to be in the business, and I'm not saying that I want them to be in the business, and I certainly don't care what they do, just so they do something that is good for them, something that makes them happy, and something that they get without hurting anybody else, you know, like every mother, any father wants that. But I see now a bit of striving that I begin to worry about. I'd like to disassociate them from the town only for that reason. You ask about Bing and Kathy and the atmosphere of Hollywood, Beverly Hills, and then and the business. I have seen some mighty fine children come out of that area. I think it has more to do with the home. I've got to admit that. But there is an area in the schools where children of celebrities do have a hard time. I cannot deny that. I've seen too many evidences of it. The reason for moving entirely away, I think Bing always makes a good selection in his homes. Bing is always putting down roots in different parts for different reasons. But mostly, I think it's just putting down roots. I talked to Bing recently about it. And he kind of said something like that. He had a lot of academic reasons for coming up here. Besides being absolutely mad about the big Sur country and the uh, proximity to San Francisco and all that, uh, the home itself was, is on such a magnificent site and the whole picture is just something he had dreamed about. Then Kathy had a marvelous reason, which was the country club that they belonged to, which was a marvelous protected area for their children to uh, have a lot of athletic things going on, a lot of social life going on, and a lot of protection while it was going on. You know, seclusion, protection. So there again, you were still looking for seclusion Bing has done it all of his life. He's moved farther and farther and farther away. 
I think we've learned a great deal about Lucille Ball in this conversation. I'd like to wrap up the serious part of our conversation with just one question. It's a terrible one to throw at you. But can you give me an idea of what you consider to be happiness? My mind immediately goes to the home because I have that uh, happiness, uh, and I couldn't have answered it a few years ago because I wasn't sure, but now I am sure. There's no other happiness except seeing your children grow up right and bright and heading for a life of their own that makes sense and having your health and taking care of those you love. I guess that's mine. That's an excellent definition of happiness. But happiness for us is talking with Lucille Ball. Thank you, Hilly. It's been most enjoyable. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've covered a lot of ground today, but Mr. Hilly Rose had some more questions to ask me, so we'll be back tomorrow to conclude our little chat. Bye now. Hi, this is Lucy. Again today, we are going to continue our discussion with Hilly Rose of KCBS, who interviewed me during a recent trip to San Francisco. Yesterday, we were discussing the problems that people in show business have in establishing a normal way of life for their children. And now, Hilly, shall we continue? In Beverly Hills and in Palm Springs, it's a little bit difficult to have the kind of values that the rest of the United States has because you're surrounded with the Southern California idiom, if you will. But here, particularly in an area like Burlingame, while it isn't the working man's environment, still I don't think people are as impressed with some of the exotic or wild things that go on in Southern California. I think that uh, they live a more, much more normal life here and can be treated more normally. Well, I think to the average, we'll say, the Middle West of America, if you were to say that to them, and they knew the type of houses and homes and people that live in Burlingame, for instance, I think that they would be much more in awe and much more ill at ease with the Burlingame group than they would people from Hollywood. What I'm saying is I don't think that there's any more normalcy to uh, someone really apart from our business, any more normalcy in Burlingame for them than there would be any other place. For some of us to move up to Burlingame and move in with the Burlingame people, I think we'd find it difficult, too. I bet if I moved to Burlingame next week, I'd feel a little in awe, too. That's not our life. You see, there's a great comparison with uh, any hard-working people in America with the people who live in Hollywood, per se, and, and work in the studios. We are hard-working, early-to-bed, early-to-rise people, and uh, boy, that covers a lot of similarities in our homes. You're speaking of the movie magazine press image that uh, has been given about our town. Now, that's the frosting on the cake that gets publicized. But when you get right down to people and their homes, like you've heard many times, haven't you, how unbelievable it is to some people. They come out and they expect to find a real wild Hollywood, and they're taken to a normal evening. And they had a very dull evening, actually. And, uh, but certainly there are wild parties in Buffalo or Jamestown or any of the, you know. You made a statement a minute ago that if you lived here in Burlingame, you would be in awe of the people in Burlingame? Perhaps not in awe, uh, but I would be a little uneasy, like I would be moving to any new neighborhood until I was sure that they had gotten to know me. And uh, because people meet you sometimes 
with a chip on their shoulder when they expect you to have one on yours. I long since got over worrying about that, Hilly, but I remember back, going back to my hometown or visiting small towns, you know, where people, the, the general expression is they are in awe. Well, what happens is that they get like that and put up a, a bit of a, a barrier before you've even had a chance to show whether you are nice or not nice, you know, or easy to know or not easy to know. That's what I was talking about. But I, wherever I would, uh, wherever you would move into a new neighborhood, you would be uneasy until you were sure, you know? Well, if my name were Lucille Ball and I'd had the publicity that you have had that through the years... That only makes it harder. Makes it harder for you? Well, of course, because everyone reads what they want to read into anything they read about you. Are you saying then that really you're concerned about being accepted by your peers or accepted in the society that it revolves around? Not anymore, around? but I'm sure a few years ago I would have... Uh, been able to say yes to that. I don't feel that anymore. You know, I'm older now. I don't worry about those things. I, I'm so busy uh, liking and being interested in people that I don't stop to think, do they like me anymore? I just get on with the business of being as nice and as interesting and as acceptable as I can without stopping to think, will I be accepted? Lucille Ball, can we take just another minute or two of your time to talk about the show that you're doing five days a week? You're going to be interviewing all kinds of interesting people. You've interviewed Barnaby Conrad here, and that shows that you're stepping away from the show business approach. Yes, as soon as I could get out of town, <laughs> I stepped away. <laughs> Will you then be going to other places, interviewing politicians and craftsmen well, and various other sorts? I, w I will interview anyone that I think I can talk intelligently to, Hilly. Now, for instance, if I were to talk to a politician, I wouldn't want to know about his politics anyway. I wouldn't be particularly interested in even what party he belonged to. I would be interested in his home life, what kind of a man he was, and how many children he had, where he lived, where he studied, and why he was interested in politics. You're but, just a normal woman. That's what you are. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I hope so. Let's Talk to Lucy is, uh, I hope, going to prove that I am a normal woman. There are so many interesting people in all walks of life that, yes, Hilly, I do intend to uh, meet as, as, and talk to as many as possible. And I'm going to take my little recorder with me all over the world and do that. Where have you planned to go now? Well, to Europe. We go to Europe occasionally. And wherever I go, it doesn't even have to be Europe. If it's up in the Yellowstone National Park, I'm going to take it with me because there are interesting people all over, and I love to talk to them. What is your life? What's well, a typical week for Lucille Ball? Is there such a thing as a typical week? Yes, a typical week at the studio right now comprises most of my doings on the stage, getting the Lucy show ready for television. I read presentations and I read scripts and I talk about casting. But then I do that all the time, five, six weeks ahead. And my writers are eight, 10, 12 weeks ahead. But then Monday mornings at 10 o'clock, Vivian and uh, the rest of us are on the stage at Jesse Lou Studios on Gower in Hollywood. And from 10 until as I say, eight, ten hours a day for four days, we rehearse on our feet and in the set. We rehearse like a stock company. We sort of live together like a stock company for four days and do the show on Thursday night. And uh, we learn like 60 pages of dialogue in two days. We work with three or four cameras. We work with 150 people. We work in front of 400 in the audience. I always do my shows with an audience, which is a cross-section of America so that I get a good feeling for the comedy timing. I also get a good feeling for the type of thing we're doing. If it's liked by a cross-section of the United States, it's 
you know, we've kind of had our own survey right then and there. I have never done a show without an audience. I adore audiences. We have, have had marvelous audiences through the years, and I think they're a great deal responsible for the success of the Lucy show. Do you still get the same kick out of doing this show that you did when you started? I mean, it can't be the same. It's well, different. Well, it's better, uh, Hilly, and I'll tell you why. I was so frightened when I started that I didn't get the kick that I'm getting now. I didn't know what, uh, you know, that it was going to be that wonderful. I didn't know it was going to be that wonderful to work that hard and create and have that much fun on the set. Mm -hmm. And I loved uh, the character of Lucy. I still do. When I first started, of course, I wasn't aware of that. I was aware of doing a, a, a sort of a hard uh, working uh, job that was taking a lot out of me, and I wasn't sure. And I didn't know that I was going to be funny. I didn't know that any of it was going to be so wonderful. That came with, with time. And I uh, got a lot to be grateful for. So it's fun, at any rate, still. Yeah, it's, it's more fun than it was. Do you have any plans to retire? Or are you no, just I've, never, uh, I've never thought of retiring uh, at all. I think of changing occasionally or laying off for a while just to go someplace. Uh, like, I'd love to take the children, you know, knock off for a year so that they could get to live in another country or even in another area or something. New England, I'm mad about New England. And I have never had a chance to live there. I'm from New York State, but uh, I've never had a chance to get up in Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont. And Does Betty Davis still live up there? No, but uh, I must say I get some of my love of the place from Betty. Well, Lucille Ball, I have never really had the opportunity to know you before. It's a real kick. Thank you, Hilly. It's been most enjoyable. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you'll all be with us again tomorrow. See you then. Hi, this is Lucy. This is the day after I have finished my television show, my day to rest and kind of stare into space. Actually, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday are my rest days, and they are very precious to me. I work very diligently Monday through Thursday, and I know how lucky I am to have a long weekend. And some weekends we go to Palm Springs. We have a lovely home in the Springs, and we're all golfers and swimmers. Most of our entertainment is done on weekends and is informal, very informal. In fact, I have never given a formal party in my life. We have barbecues, we serve buffet, and we let everyone do as they wish. When it comes to exercise, we just show our guests the equipment, like maybe a badminton or tennis racket, a golf club or a swimsuit, other diversions, a, a book or a magazine, or we play word games or canasta, we love password and charades. Anyway, it's free and easy, and our guests are on their own, just required to show at mealtime. I usually plan early dinners because I like the children to eat early and have time to relax and enjoy themselves before bedtime. We're early risers at our house, and I'm so glad because I think mornings are so beautiful. The start of each day, so exciting. And I don't like to waste time sleeping late. Gary's always up early and out to the nearest golf course, and sometimes the kids take off on their bikes with a picnic basket. Sometimes we go horseback riding and then come back for a swim. But today, I'm at home in Beverly Hills. The kids are at school, and I'm up in our treetop room, as I call it. It's a room I was delighted to add on to our bedroom three years ago when Gary and I were first married, and I love it because it has become a family room. I also love it because before it became a room, it was a flat-top roof and wasted space. 
And I've always fidgeted about wasted space. But now, being a rooftop room, it's kind of nestled in the treetops. And I can peer over into robin's nests and watch Chicky the squirrel defending his domain. I know where he hides all his little goodies. And I have a nice long cord on the phone so I don't have to get up. And my favorite books and magazines are piled all around me. And my nail-fixing stuff. And some of your letters that I want to answer today. My stationery, lots of sharp pencils and paper for making out my endless lists. Yes, mm-hmm, I'm a list maker, a note-tacker-upper. I have to be. It's the only way I can get things done. I can't trust my memory for everything, so around here we use bulletin boards, scotch tape, and thumbtacks like crazy. I'm a do-it-now girl, or at least tack it up now so I won't forget. Now then, in my mail this morning, I found a very nice letter from a Mrs. Mary Misterly that sort of speaks for many of you who have written about the convenience of radio. And here's what she says. Dear Lucy, for many years I have welcomed you into my living room. Now at last you come into my kitchen every weekday on radio, and I feel we are just folks visiting. I do think radio is much nicer because our daily chores, such as ironing, baking, polishing silver, and the many wearisome things we detest doing around the house, seem to get done pleasantly now because of your program. We can listen and work at the same time. Well, Mary, thank you for that lovely letter. Many of our listeners voiced the same sentiments. You know, one lady wrote me and said she carries her son's transistor radio around in her apron pocket so that no matter where she goes, she can listen. And that's the nice thing about radio. It frees those busy hands. Speaking about the mobility of radio, I've gotten quite a few letters from those fellows who spend most of their lives moving around, the truck drivers. Here's one from Bill Thies of Phoenix, who says, Dear Lucy, the Knights of the Road are indebted to you because of your new radio program. Driving all day gets pretty boring, but your show is refreshing and gives me a lift. I wish it was a half hour instead. I enjoy your little philosophical comments and the interviews with people in show business. Thanks again for brightening up my day. Well, thank you, Bill. Incidentally, your letter reminds me of something I've wanted to mention many times about the nights of the road. You know, I, I do a lot of driving on the highways myself, and I'm, I'm always impressed and thankful on many occasions by the thoughtfulness and courtesy of the men who drive those huge trucks and trailers, especially at night, because they always blink their lights to let you know whether or not to pass or stop or slow down. And say, if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you want to stop and get a good cup of coffee and some good food, just watch for those trucks and trailers parked outside some roadside restaurant, and you can bet that the bill of fare is pretty substantial. Thank you, Bill, for your letter, and I hope that we, who also drive the highways, show the same courtesy and consideration toward our fellow drivers as those knights of the road. Well, I think we have time for another letter today. You know, I received so much mail on the subject of teenagers that it'll take a little while to answer it all, but here's one from Mrs. Fern Colby of Encino, California, that is a little bit different. She writes, Dear Lucy, you ask for comments about living with teenagers, which is a subject very dear to my heart. No doubt you have heard the expression, it takes an old maid to tell you how to raise children. And you may jump to a similar conclusion when I tell you that I have never had children of my own. 
but I have had vast experience with teenagers, and it has been a rewarding experience. I would like to briefly elaborate on it, if I may. My husband came to this wonderful country 26 years ago, unable to speak English and with no one to turn to. Fortunately, he became a citizen, but because of his early experiences, he always had a soft spot in his heart for youngsters in similar situations. And so our home became a sort of haven for them. Of the many youngsters we took into our home, we adopted two and saw that the others got started. There have been so many young people sheltered in our home during the last 20 years. I have learned many things about them, but I would like to sum up in a few words some rules I feel are most helpful in handling teenagers. First, be firm but fair. Second, be genuinely interested in their friends and activities and invite their confidence. Third, show them that you love them and give them a pat on the back when they merit it. They crave your approval. Fourth, give them encouragement. Let them know that you expect them to do the very best they are able to do. Well, Mrs. Colby, thank you very much for a very enlightening letter, and one I am sure will serve as inspiration and guidance, not only for parents, but teenagers as well. For a woman who has not had children of her own, I think you are a wonderful example of how married couples in similar circumstances can do something constructive to both enrich their lives and really offer assistance to youngsters who are searching for their future. I know that if parents and other adults concerned with problems confronting our teenagers today would only take the time to care, to listen, and to understand, many heartbreaks could be avoided, and many a youngster would be launched firmly on the road to a useful and rewarding life. I want to thank all you listeners who have shown concern and interest in the problems of teenagers. It proves that someone out there does care. And that's a most encouraging thought. Well, that's about all the mail we can answer today. I hope you all have a very pleasant weekend, and please drive carefully. Bye now. Are you loving Let's Talk to Lucy? Then you have a real treat in store for you. A new episode is being released every week on the SXM app and wherever you listen to podcasts.